All right, welcome back to From Eight Arbitration, and today's going to be the final episode of Article 16. Can you believe that? It's been, I think this is uh, episode 31, <laughs> and uh, that, that took a while, didn't it? 31 episodes. I know that my first few were kind of introductory, but I didn't think it would be 31 episodes. Man. But hopefully it's helped you. I hope that some of the things that we've talked about has helped you uh, look at things a little differently or maybe helped you broaden your understanding of Article 16. Uh, again, I'm no expert. These are things I've dealt with these things through my time as a shop steward and formal A and arbitration advocate. I've, you know, dealt with these things quite a bit. So just trying to tell you what I've seen and what I know. And I do hope it's helped you. I really do. Uh, but as I said earlier, I'll come back to Article 16 every once in a while with things that I deal with, things that I see, uh, just kind of putting in different episodes uh, dealing with Article 16 because, again, I think it's the most important important article. Uh, next, we're going to be dealing with the, the joint statement on violence behavior in the workplace. We'll have several ish, uh, episodes on that because, to me, that's the second most important thing is making sure that our brothers and sisters come into an environment that they want to work in. And uh, we're 100% responsible for that. I'm going to tell you this, management doesn't care at any level. Management doesn't care about management and how they treat us. We are the only ones that's going to take that seriously. We always have and always will. And so we're going to have several episodes on the joint statement and get us uh, a little bit more educated on that and how we're going to handle that. And we will handle that. We will handle management that has chosen to be bullies. I promise you, we're going to be very well equipped on that as far as how we're going to handle that through the grievance procedure. Um, Article 16, though, I think that that's most important because it deals with my livelihood and our brothers' and sisters' livelihoods and how we're going to combat management trying to discipline us. So again, I hope that it's helped you. I do. I hope that uh, through the 31 episodes, something, if anything, that you've never thought of or think differently now about, hope that you can use it in uh, defending our brothers and sisters. Uh, again, I appreciate the people that have reached out talking about it. I really do. You know, when you started this, I've said this in several episodes. When I started this, uh, just a few people that I look up to asked me to do it and I had no idea about a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> and so I, you know, got a, it took me forever. I did it all myself. I got a microphone, learned how to work that through uh, my laptop and, and downloaded a, a server that I could use to, to edit and stuff. And here we go. And 31 episodes later, here we are. But again, uh, I hope that it's helped you. I do. And, and we'll continue on. Throughout the contract, so I don't know how many episodes we're going to have, but I'll just keep talking. You know, I, there's a few people listening. I can uh, track that. It's, it's gotten a lot more than I thought it would, so I'm pleasantly surprised as far as that's concerned. And again, I'm no expert. You know, I talk with different people around regions. They see things differently than I do. That's fantastic. Uh, as long as what you're doing is working, that's all I care about. I don't care about you know, being the sole voice for the NALC. I'm not going to be that. I'm just a voice of telling you things that I've dealt with. With that being said, 
Today's going to be the last episode initially of Article 16, and it's going to be corrective rather than punitive. Now, I've told you that my formal A was going to do this one, but that poor kid, he's a, he's a brand new advocate, and he's got two removals coming up. And so we've been dealing with that and uh, working through those. I'm going to be a witness in both of them because I'm the formerly representative for both of those. I was assigned as an outside steward for both of those removals. And uh, so he's got them, and, and he's, he's uh, busy. So I told him, hey, man, I'll take care of this one here, and he can come by later and do a, a different episode on something else. So he's, he's very talented and uh, very skilled at what he does. But I'm going to try to handle this one, corrective rather than punitive. I think that I'm the only one on both sides who believe like I do. Maybe you, maybe you believe the same way about corrective rather than punitive. Uh, I know that uh, it sounds easy when you say it has to be corrective rather than punitive. But when you get into arbitrable precedence, when you get into how it's viewed, it becomes a little bit more complex because most people – a lot of arbitrators, the NELC's handbook, say that corrective basically means progressive. It's the same thing. Corrective discipline means progressive discipline. You have to discipline me. How we go as a letter warning, seven-day, 14-day removal. You have to issue me uh, discipline in a progressive manner because that is intended to correct a deficiency of mine. Uh, I... I somewhat agree, but to me, if you would have said that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive, and all that means is it has to be progressive, then why didn't you just say discipline should be progressive in nature? Why didn't you just say that? You didn't. You said that discipline must be corrective in nature, which means those two are not one and the same. I had that Jacobs decision in my last episode about CCA discipline. They're not one and the same. And so I'm going to try to, to insert my philosophy <laughs> in, in this episode of, of what I think it means. Uh, I think it does mean that it has to be progressive. But I think there are things that management's obligated to do to correct a deficiency rather than discipline me out of my job. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Corrective rather than punitive. Let's start off with... El Cori and El Cori, because I'm going to show you how, how arbitrators feel, okay? And and this is this is El Cori and El Cori, and I'm going to read a little bit, and it's a very boring reading, and I apologize. And and this is El Cori and El Cori, How Arbitration Works, 3rd Edition. It's the one I, I read out of all the time. It's on page 630, if in case you have that book. And it says this, Factors in Evaluating Penalties. Numerous factors may be relevant in the review or evaluation of penalties assessed by management for misconduct of employees. The more prominent of these factors are considered briefly below. And here's what they talk about. Nature of the offense. Summary discharge versus corrective discipline. It is said to be axiomatic that the degree of penalty should be in keeping with the seriousness of the offense. In this regard, arbitrator Whitley P. McCoy explained, Offenses are of two general classes. 
Those extremely serious offenses, such as stealing, striking a foreman, persistent refusal to obey a legitimate order, etc., which usually justify summary discharge without the necessity of prior warnings or attempt at corrective discipline. Those less serious infractions of plant rules or of proper conduct, such as tardiness, absence without permission, careless workmanship, insolence, etc., which call not for discharge for the first offense, and usually not even for the second or third offense, but for some milder penalty aimed at correction. See what they're saying? You're correcting my deficiencies through discipline. As to the less serious offenses, the concept of corrective or progressive discipline has been recognized by arbitrators. Arbitrator M.S. Ryder, for instance, has stated, Further, if the employer so chooses, and it is common practice in industry, the employer may adopt a corrective approach towards penalty by making second and third offenses of the same nature, or of another nature, cumulative in terms of the degree of severity of penalty imposed for each of the subsequent proven offenses so as to dissuade any further commissions. So they're saying, we're going to use progressive discipline as a means to correct a situation. And that makes sense. I understand that. And I'm going to tell you my spin on it here a little bit later. And I'm going to keep on reading. However, arbitrator Robert S. Thompson has cautioned, in industrial practice, discipline is often progressive or corrective in nature. I'm read that again because here's, here's the philosophy of arbitrators and management and, and generally the, the JCAM. In industrial practice, discipline is often progressive or corrective in nature. Warning is tried before suspension. That's why we have 16-2. Suspension before discharge. Penalties are designed to correct if possible, while theories and practices of progressive or corrective discipline may be in wide use it does not follow that every company must, in the absence of contract provisions, adopt such views. Every business and industry has its own peculiar conditions. An arbitrator should be slow to substitute his own judgment as to the appropriateness of penalties on the basis of theories which seem to have wide appeal. And you'll always see management use that in their in the in arbitration that arbitrators should be slow to substitute his own judgment and let management's discipline remain in fact there appears to be considerable diversity of arbitral thought in respect to corrective discipline without attempting to distinguish or reconcile any cases which appear to conflict the authors merely note some of the various views of actions by arbitrators concerning corrective discipline There are cases in which management was held obligated to use corrective discipline, although there was no indication that management had ever approved its use either by the agreement or by unilaterally instituting corrective discipline in the past, which does not pertain to us because the very first sentence of our contract in in Article 16 says what? Must be corrective. It has been said that the formalization of a corrective discipline program is a matter for negotiations by the parties, not for the arbitrator. We already have that. It also has been said that it is one thing to determine whether or not a contract permits discharging an employee under given circumstances, 
but that it is entirely another matter for an arbitrator to conclude that an employee's discharge violated a contract because of something not in the contract. That is, because of the absence of corrective discipline program where none is specified by the agreement. There are cases in which discharge was upset where the company had a corrective discipline system but failed to abide by it. And I'll talk about that in a second. Where an employer was reluctant to suspend the employee and used counseling and warnings instead as pre-discharge measures, this demonstrated a desire to help rather than hurt the employee, an arbitrator said for which the employer should not be criticized. Where there were no circumstances to suggest that corrective discipline would rehabilitate the grievance into a satisfactory employee, discharge without corrective discipline was upheld. And I'll talk about that. In adopting a corrective discipline program, a company was held not to have surrendered its right to invoke summary discharge for serious offenses warning such action. Also, the mere fact that an agreement specified the use of corrective discipline for some offenses did not necessarily mean that it must be used for all offenses. In sustaining discharge, arbitrators sometimes have stressed the fact that corrective discipline had been used without avail. So that's El Cori and El Cori, and that's what arbitrators read. So when they come into a hearing, their minds have already been set because El Cori and El Cori is, is their Bible. And that's a lot of times you'll see arbitrators, they will cite El Cori and El Cori as a reference for them. And so to them, corrective discipline means progressive discipline. Here's, here's the Defenses to Discipline book that I use all the time. The one that I love. This is my Bible for discipline. And here's what it says. While management may dispense with minor forms of discipline for certain offenses, which are normally dischargeable by themselves, theft of mail, for most types of misconduct, management must follow a corrective, and all arbitrators have read this to mean progressive, pattern of disciplinary action. This means that discharge must normally be preceded by one or more large suspensions and that a large suspension must be preceded by one or more small suspensions and so forth. When management fails to follow the progressive path, discipline will usually be disallowed or modified. So even our own Defenses to Discipline book has said arbitrators consider corrective discipline meaning progressive discipline. If that's the case, like I said earlier, why didn't they just state in the first sentence, this. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be progressive in nature rather than punitive. Why did they choose corrective? And I understand the philosophy of it. I do. I'm not, I'm not illiterate. You give me a letter of warning to try to correct something that I'm doing. If I don't correct that, then you're going to give me a seven-day suspension to try to correct what I'm doing. And then a 14-day, and then you're going to be like, hey, look, He's incorrigible. He can't be corrected. We've issued discipline in a matter to correct the situation that he's doing. He's still doing it. He's had progressive discipline to try to correct what's happening or what he's doing. He just didn't get it, so he's removed. I think that that takes away management's obligation to manage. We can never take away management's obligation to manage. And that's where I differ. To me, management has an obligation under M39, Section 115, 
to manage. I'll give you an example. I have two examples. I had a 14-day suspension in arbitration, and I lost it. And, and here was the situation. This carrier was disciplined for unauthorized overtime, specifically how she was filling out her 3996. Management was saying, you're not filling your 3996 out properly. Uh, she continued to fill out the 3996 the same way. Management continued to say she's not filling it out properly. Gave her a letter of warning. The girl comes back. A seven-day girl comes back. 14-day. So when we get to the hearing, I asked management. I said, I'm looking at a letter of warning, a seven-day and a 14-day suspension, all for the same thing. Her inability to fill out a 3996 properly. That's right. And let me ask you this. At what point did you sit down with this individual and instruct them how you wanted them to fill out the 3996? Well, we didn't. So this, this young lady has a letter of warning, a 7-day and a 14-day, for her, her inability to fill out a 3996 properly. And yet you've never told her what's expected of her as far as filling out a 3996 properly. No. Then she's always going to fill out a 3996 improperly because you've never told her how you want her to fill it out or how she should fill it out. And the arbitrator ruled against me. She said that the letter warning of 7 and 14 day was corrective and the girl never corrected her deficiency. Well, no shit. Because management didn't manage. Management's obligation under the M39 is what? To correct as many deficiencies before resorting to discipline. You've not done anything but discipline somebody into submission. She's still turning in. You don't tell her anything different. You never instruct her on how you want her to fill it out. And she's been held responsible for that. That's where I differ. That's where I differ from arbitrators and from us and from management because management has the ultimate responsibility to do what to manage. It's not this young lady's job to manage herself. You should have told her, you should have told her what was expected of her. That never happened. And I got management to admit that it never happened. I had the young lady get on the stand Today, at this hearing, do you understand what you're doing wrong as far as the 3996 is concerned? No, I do not. What is it that management doesn't approve of on the 3996 that you're doing? I have no idea. How in the world can we lose that in arbitration? That is as simple as it gets. But with the philosophy of arbitrators, with the philosophy of the union and management, I feel that it lets management get, and go, get away with not managing. It is a lazy approach to discipline. That's how I feel. Here's another, for instance, and this is one that I'm fixing to go be a witness on, is unauthorized overtime. Here's an individual. It's a gentleman who's been disciplined for unauthorized overtime, and this is his removal that we're going to go up there on. He's been disciplined for unauthorized overtime, continuously being disciplined for unauthorized overtime. And we're talking letter warning, seven day, 14 day. And you've got 
anywhere 10 to 20 occurrences on each form of discipline of unauthorized overtime. So I get assigned as the outside steward for this removal for this young man, a 16-year veteran. And I go up there, and, and uh, I'm looking at management's position. And all they've done is discipline this kid for unauthorized overtime. They've done nothing to correct the situation. I asked the station manager, my, the formal A person I met against, I said, can you go get me, please, all of the 3999s that you've done on this gentleman to try to correct or see if anything is going on with him on the street, why he's unable to estimate his time properly, or we don't have any. Now, again, let, this is this is the thing that's different in this case. This this gentleman would request three hours. They would every time he requested overtime, they gave it to him. He requested two hours, they gave him two hours. He'd take three. He requests four hours, they'd give him four hours, he'd take four and a half. If he had requested two hours, they gave him two hours, he'd take two and a half hours. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a case of, you know, I'm missing it by five minutes. Or they're saying, I'm requesting two hours, and they're like, I'll give you one. And then he still takes two. They're approving everything that he's requesting, and he's still going over by a lot. So on the outside, that looks pretty simple. Well, they're giving him everything he asked for, and he's still going over. But to me, it's not that simple. To me, there's something going on. There's a disconnect between what's happening in the office when he's requesting and what's happening on the street. There's a disconnect. Something's not right. And so what is management's obligation as far as that concerned? Nothing. Is their obligation to just simply discipline this man out of a livelihood? It has to be no. The answer has to be no. There's an obligation on management's part to figure out what is going on. That is corrective discipline. That is what it means. You have never done the first thing to see what's going on to see if you can correct the situation. This man, for some reason, isn't getting it. And so what did management do to try to help him or try to come to the bottom of things? Uh, I'll talk about the M39 again. I talked about it a lot in my last episode, but I want to know what management did to help this individual. So I want the 3999. Let's see what, what happened out on the street. We don't have one. What about a 4584? I noticed that you have four or five in the file for five minutes, six minutes. You're not going to learn anything by following me for four or five, six minutes. Where's the 4584s that you follow this man for an extended period of time to see what was going on on the street? Is there time-wasting practices? Is he loitering out there? What's going on? I don't know that because you didn't do your job. What about an office count, efficiency count? You know, man's are like, well, what does that matter? Because I want to know if you're supposed to make every effort to correct a deficiency before I resort to discipline, I'm going to start at the bottom, the ground level, the office. Did we get that taken care of? Every time we count him, he's efficient. Okay, so that's the first part. Let's, we can remove that. What else do we have? What did we do on the street? No, no 39.99, no 45.84, nothing. So you don't care really about correcting the situation before resorting to discipline. 
Your lazy ass is going to sit in the office and continue to fill out a 1017B log for 20 occurrences. Hey, we got enough. Now let's go discipline him. It cannot be that way. That is not what is intended, surely, when it's talking about corrective rather than punitive. To me, there's an obligation on management to manage. And they have failed to do that. That's where I differ. I don't think that you can just discipline somebody into submission, pulverize them with discipline and say they're just not getting it. What are you doing to help them get it other than discipline? Isn't that a question that needs to be asked? It has to be asked. I don't agree with with arbitrators. I don't agree with even this handbook that I love. I don't agree with management. I understand the concept. I do understand what they're talking about. You, you can't just come in and terminate me on a first offense. You have to give me discipline in a progressive manner to show that you're trying to correct something. But it has to be more than that. It has to be. Let's talk about the language. And this is going to be your template. And, here's, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over Article 17 and 31 because that is uh, also part of discipline. When we're requesting things, uh, when we're requesting information, I, I talked about that in one of my very first episodes as the information request. I'm going to go over Article 17 and 31 because I want to tie it all together. And for new stewards, I think it'll help you. Like I said, I'm going to have one from when a carrier hands you discipline to the informal A meeting. I'm going to have an episode on what we're doing every step of the way. And then we're going to talk about Article 15 and the meeting. Okay, so we're going to do 1731. Then we're going to talk about the meeting. But I'm going to have a try to try to get somebody to help me. Where normally you'd see a transcript, I'm going to try to put in a template of mine that I did because I talk about templates all the time. I was thinking about doing a template episode, but really, um, I mean, I talk about it so much. I think you get the idea. Yeah. But I'm going to put a template in there where you normally put a transcript. And that way, new stewards, you can see what a template looks like. Again, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm sure you have grievance starters for everything. I do my own templates. I, grievance starters are fine. But uh, a lot of times when you get into arbitration, you'll see that <laughs> those templates, uh, sometimes they don't change things out and you're having to get around some of that stuff. If you know what I'm an advocate, you know what I'm talking about. Grievance stars are fine. That's a template. But I'm going to put in a template that I did uh, for an individual. It's a case I got coming up. Just to kind of give you an idea of a template and what it looks like. I think that as a new steward, get as many templates as you can. Because it, it cuts out a lot of time. It does. But this language should be in your template. Discipline template. Here's what it states. Article 16, discipline procedure. The very first sentence. And again... Last episode, I went over all this for CCAs, but I'm going to do it again. Section 1, Principles. In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. That's the very first sentence of Article 16. How are you going to handle me? You're going to be corrective to me rather than punitive. You go on to 16.2. Page 16.2, there's an entire section 
corrective rather than punitive. So here's the emphasis they're putting on it. They made it the very first sentence. And now we're going to give it an entire section. Okay. Corrective rather than punitive on page 16 too. And here's what it states. The requirement that discipline should be corrective rather than punitive is an essential element of the just cause principle. In short, it means that for most offenses, management must issue discipline in a progressive fashion, issuing lesser discipline, letter warning for a first offense, and a pattern of increasingly severe discipline for succeeding offenses, short suspension, long suspension, discharge. The basis of this principle of corrective or progressive, that falls in line with El Cori and El Cori, right? Discipline is that it is issued for the purpose of correcting or improving employee behavior and not as punishment or retribution. Well, discipline is always the ultimate punishment. Again, that's where we differ. But hey, that's the contract. That's what it states. That's what management's going to show the arbitrator. We were corrective because we were progressive. That's what they're going to say. We, we were trying to correct him. We were progressive. He's still doing what he's doing. It, to me, it just takes away management's obligation to manage. Man, it just does. It, it, it's a lazy man's philosophy. <laughs> we just discipline in the submission. No attempt to correct it other than here's this letter warning for what you're doing. Why'd you try to help him? <laughs> that has to be correcting something. You have to try to... To help, I'm going to keep doing that, ain't I? I'm just going to get on my soapbox every time. Okay, I need to stop that. Page 16.3. Examples of behavior. This needs to be in your template. This is one of the best ones, too. I love this art. I love this provision. Examples of behavior. It's one of my favorites. Article 16.1 states several examples of misconduct, which may constitute for just cause for discipline. Some managers have mistakenly believed that because these behaviors are specifically listed in the contract, any discipline of employees for such behavior is automatically for just cause. The parties agree these behaviors are intended as examples only, and I think I did an entire episode on examples of behavior. Managers must still meet the requisite burden of proof. Prove that the behavior took place. That's big. That it was intentional. That'll get them every time, just about. That it was intentional. That the degree of discipline imposed was corrective rather than punitive and so forth. So, in Article 16, they reference it three times on three pages. That's how important it is that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. Right? Have all three of those in your template. What about the M39? Management's handbook. We talked about this already. M39, Section 115, 115.1, Basic Principle, first sentence. In the administration of discipline, a basic principle must be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. So management is telling management how they're going to distribute or issue discipline. It must be corrective in nature rather than punitive. And here's where I think management's obligation falls, is after that. No employee may be disciplined or discharged except for just cause. The delivery manager must make every effort to correct a situation before resorting to disciplinary measures. Just like I was talking about in that 14-day that I lost. You never informed the girl what was expected of her. How is that making every effort to correct a situation before resorting to disciplinary measures? You corrected nothing. 
You didn't instruct her to do the first thing, and that's exactly what I told the arbitrator. They made no effort to correct the situation. What about this unauthorized overtime that I'm fixing to go up there on on this gentleman? You made no effort to correct the situation before resorting to disciplinary measures. You just sit in an office. Well, there's another day of unauthorized overtime. 20 days later, well, call him in here and give him this I.I. Let's get rid of him. Where is the obligation? Where, where have you done anything to try to correct a situation before resorting to disciplinary measures? Where is a handful of 3999s? Well, he put him for three hours, went out there and rode with him, and he took three. We did that seven times, and every time we went out there, he was doing everything right, got back in the time that he requested. Every time that we didn't go with him, he took an hour. Okay, we got a problem now. Because obviously he's trying to get over. Obviously he's doing things he's not supposed to be doing, trying to make a little bit extra money. That was never done. It was never done. We completely forgive management for not doing their job. Man, that's not right. That's not right. If, if To me, if you're going to be corrective, you have to show where you did something other than discipline me out of my job. You have to show that you did something. Now, some things, uh, granted, if i am got five accidents in a row where I've been inattentive and just rear-ended somebody because of my inattentiveness, okay. I mean, I don't really know what management's going to be able to do there. They can give me some kind of driver safety training i guess some things are understandable but man it can't all be in that same mold right it can't all be the same thing corrective rather than punitive means more to me than progressive rather than punitive or either they would have said that like arbitrator jacobs said because they said progressive and corrective means they're not one and the same so when we're looking at discipline, and we can see that management has done nothing to correct this employee's situation or behavior or misconduct other than discipline, use the M39 against them on that. Management has an obligation to manage me, and they're not doing it. Another way, and, and my installation is bad about this, is they will give you discipline say uh, i had an accident they'll give you a 14 day you you don't have any discipline whatsoever and they'll just start out with a 14 day you know why because they're trying to scare you into taking a letter of warning because my formal a is kicking their ass so bad that they're just going to start out for 14 day and get the carrier so scared they're like oh god okay i'll take a letter of warning then okay we'll give you a letter of warning well, that's punitive. That's punitive. So make sure that we contend that. Management has issued a 14-day. The carrier has no live uh, discipline on file, no active discipline. Management's actions were punitive. And according to all of these provisions on my template, management must be corrective. That is punitive. What happened to my letter of warning? What happened to my seven day? And management will always say, well, this one was so egregious. Well, I got a little arbitration site for you. I read this last week. Arbitrator Cohen, he addressed, he addressed what you're just now saying here, management. 
It's Cohen C00557. C00557, Cohen. Here's what Cohen states, Mr. Manager, to what you just stated. The action of the supervisor in this regard is a violation of Article 16, Section 1 of the National Agreement. The first sentence of this article states, In the administration of this article, a basic principle shall be that discipline should be corrective in nature rather than punitive. It has been held many times by other arbitrators that for discipline to be corrective, it must be progressive. See what I'm saying? But I love this site. So this fits perfectly with that when they're saying, we gave them a 14-day because the letter warning just wasn't applicable here. It just wouldn't have worked. This was so egregious. Use Cohen. It's the best language you're going to find. He goes on. This directive from the national agreement is mandatory. That shuts everything management just said down. It is not discretionary. Management does not have the choice as to whether it will issue corrective discipline or not. It must attempt to make discipline corrective. Here, grievance supervisor decided for reasons which appeared to him to be valid that corrective discipline would be useless. He does not, however, have that discretion. He must attempt to issue corrective discipline even though he believes that it will be of no use. So anytime management comes in there with a seven-day and I've not been disciplined or a 14-day and I've not been disciplined, have Cohen in your template. They don't have that discretion. It's mandatory that they issue discipline in a progressive fashion. That is being corrective. But again, man, don't let management get away with not managing, especially on those situations like I was talking about. Dig into those things. Research those things, like that unauthorized overtime. Get into it. Now, 3996, make really good contentions about that. That management hasn't instructed me how they want me to fill it out. I'm always going to turn it in wrong, because you've not told me how to turn it in right. <laughs> it's, it's more than, than that to me. It has to be. So what do y'all think about that one? That make a lot of sense to you? Did I just confuse the hell out of you? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's my philosophy. I'm probably wrong, but I think I'm right. I just feel like management has an obligation to manage, and I think that when we only say that progressive discipline is the way that you're correcting me, it has to be more to the story than that. Because if you've issued me a letter of warning and I'm doing the same thing to get a seven day and I'm doing the same thing to do a 14 day, what is going on in between there? What is the carrier not getting? And maybe you need to talk to the carrier. Hey, you who, what are we doing here? You know, well, management ain't told me nothing. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Help us out, you know, help the carrier out a little bit. Uh, dude, you're doing the same thing that they told you not to do. They've not told me what they expect of me. They just gave me a letter of warning. You know, let's, let's help our brothers and sisters out. Don't let them just get disciplined out of a job. You know, maybe they don't get it legitimately. Maybe they just don't understand. And that's, I get that. I get that. But let's do everything we can to help them out. Okay. So corrective rather than punitive. I hope that I've helped you out a little bit in this one. I hope I haven't been more confusing than, than helpful.
on this, but I, I just feel that management has an obligation to manage. I do. Uh, my next episode, let's get into some Article 17. All right. We're going to do that. Then we'll do Article 31. Then we'll do the meeting, just everything leading up to the meeting. I'll put a template in there for you uh, so you can kind of see what I do. Not that I'm, again, not that I'm the beat-all, end-all, or an expert. That's just what I do, uh, just to give you a helping hand, okay? Because that's what this is all about, you know. Uh, if I help one person, if you look at 16 differently now, or if it's helped you at all in understanding 16 any differently, then then I, the money that I use is well worth it because uh, that's all I want to do. I just want to help us out as much as I can to defend our brothers and sisters against management that is reckless and dangerous and uh, just to try to give us the upper hand, okay? Man, y'all take care of yourselves. I'll see you on the next episode, Article 17, and we'll discuss some things, all right? Until then, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.